Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, as we sing this song, that song this morning and we think about you hanging on the tree and your uh, bloody and bruised and beaten and suffocating under the weight of your own body. Lord, you die. You're buried in the tomb. The, the stone is rolled into place. Lord, uh, the hopelessness that the disciples and everyone who had followed you faced in those days, the, uncer- the certainty of knowing that you are dead and the uncertainty of where it was going and hope is lost. They run to the tomb in the, in the morning, Lord, to, to anoint your body with spices and wondering who's going to roll the stone away and they show up and the stone is gone, convinced that someone had, had stolen the body because the, your body's not there. And the hope that sprung forth when the angels arrived and, and, you, and you showed up and you spoke those initial words to Mary, when you showed up in the upper, you know, in the, the, with the disciples in the, in the room where they're at and, and you show up on the scene and the, the hope restored, and even in Thomas as he touches your nail-pierced hands and sticks his finger in your side, his disbelieving turned to belief and faith in the resurrected Son of God. And Father, we're thankful this morning, Lord, that we are able to gather here together as a fellowship of believers joining people all over our city, all over our state, our country, and the world on this day, celebrating the, the, the hinge point of Christianity. Not a religion, but a historical fact that you died and you rose again, and today you are seated at the right hand of God the Father, and the hope today that it provides for us, your children, Lord, because we are able to believe in the resurrected Savior. And Father, we thank you for that this morning, Lord, and as we read your word today, and as we talk for a few minutes, and as we share communion together this morning, the the body broken for us, the blood shed for us. God, I pray that our hearts would be encouraged this morning. Lord, I pray that no matter what we walked in here with today, the weights and the burdens and the anxieties and the despairs of this world, God, that we know that in this world we are going to have trouble, but praise God, because you have raised from the dead, that you have overcome the world. And God, I pray that we would place our faith and our hope in the one and only resurrected Messiah, Jesus Christ. For it's in your name we ask all these things. Amen. Amen. I, as, you, as you turn in your Bibles, um, I, I had something prepared, but this morning we're going to shift gears today. I want to tell you, how many of you guys were Sesame Street fans? Anybody grew up, your kids watching Sesame Street? The, one of the oldest characters in, in, the, in, the, in the Sesame Street show uh, was a man named Mr. Hooper. How many of you guys remember Mr. Hooper? He had the store, right? Remember Mr. Hooper's store? And his name was Will Lee, and he was on Sesame Street for 13 years before he died of a heart attack in 1982. Now, the producers of the Sesame Street show were faced with a dilemma. How are they going to explain death to 10 million children who watch the show each week? They could have just concocted a story about Mr., uh, how Mr. Hooper just retired to Florida But instead, they decided to tell the children uh, that he had died. But because this was public television, they didn't want to mention anything religious or spiritual. So on the day uh, of the show, Big Bird walks out and says uh, he has a drawing he wishes to give Mr. Hooper and says, I can't wait to see Mr. Hooper again. 
And then they said, the, the people respond, remember, Big Bird, we told you that Mr. Hooper died. And Big Bird said, oh, yeah, I, I forgot. Well, I'll give it to him when he, when, when he gets back. And one of the staff members puts her arms around Big Bird and says, uh, Mr. Hooper isn't coming back, Big Bird. Well, why not, Big Bird asks innocently. And the final line, line was this, Big Bird, when people die, they don't come back. Now think about the message that declared to all those children. Now I was too young. I was born in 1982 and so I wouldn't remember, but I remember growing up and watching Big Bird and think about the message that that tells a generation of students, not just in 1982 to those that were watching uh, Sesame Street uh, proclaim the the death of of Mr. Hooper and and share uh, what millions of children would learn about death. When people die, they don't come back. But even today, as we have children sitting in schools that are, 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 are teaching them. I, I, my children go to public schools, so don't, get, don't get misunderstand this. But the, what we're teaching our children in schools is only this idea of evolution. It's only this idea that we arise out of a, primor, a primordial ooze. We live, we die, and that's all there is to life. And we wonder why we are one of the most anxious societies that have ever lived. We live in America, the land of everything we could ever have, and we're anxious and we're depressed and we're in despair, and we find ourselves going through all these emotions. And, and it's, it's the place like we have per capita the highest uh, rate of, of, of medication, medications prescribed. Why? All because of, of, of situations like this, where we have situations where people feel like they have no hope. No hope at all. Why? Because you die and there's nothing left. Well, what's life? It's nothing. You live and you die. Like there's no legacy. There's, no, there's nothing after life. But I'm here to tell you today, there is life after death. And there's more to this life than us just living and breathing and working and dying. That there's so much more to it than that. And that the God, this, this, this message that Sesame Street proclaims is not good news at all. When, what a sad message to teach children. When people die, they don't come back. But that's not the message of Easter. It's not the message that we're here to proclaim is that, hey, we serve a guy that we celebrate his birth on Christmas. And we don't celebrate his death on Easter. We celebrate his resurrection His death means he's just another guy that he dies and we can go to the place that he's buried and we can visit the tomb and we can see his body. But we don't. We serve a resurrected Savior. And that's what makes this day so special. It's what makes why millions of people gather every Easter Sunday to come together in church. It's why millions of people should gather every Sunday in church because we serve a resurrected Savior. A Savior who lived for us, who died on our behalf, who bore our pain, who took our shame, who died the death that we should have died, took our place, bore our sin, and rose again on the third day. I love that last song that we sang. Matter of fact, right now it's on repeat. Every, I just listen to it all the time. Why? Because I love the message. And on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, tra- oh, oh, trample death, where is your, sing- your sting? The angels roar for Christ our King. Isn't that an amazing line of music? The angels roar for Christ our King. And every time I hear that, man, I just wanna, I wanna get a little Pentecostal. Like I wanna shout and I wanna raise my hands. Why? Because that's the meaning of everything. 
The resurrection is the crux. It's the hinge point. It is the capstone. It is the end-all, be-all in Christianity. Without the resurrection, we, it is nothing. All we do is in vain. But because we serve a resurrected Savior, and listen, when I say that, I'm not reciting to you a religious fact, something that we proclaim to believe. I'm, I'm telling you the resurrection of Jesus is a historical fact, which forces our hand this morning. Uh, Pilate is asked at one point, um, he asks a question as he's going through the proceedings with Jesus, and he reiterates so many times, he's like, I can't find anything wrong with this guy. I can't find any reason why he should be crucified. And he asks this important question. He says, what then shall I do with the Christ? It might be the most important question that's asked in all the Bible. What shall I do with the Christ? Because here's the reality for us sitting here this morning. You really can't, when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, you can't be indifferent on it. You can't withhold judgment. You can't look at it and say, well, you know, it really doesn't matter to me whether he lived or died, whether he rose again, or whether he's in a tomb somewhere in the Middle East. Because you see, everything depends on it. You see, if Jesus didn't, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then it really doesn't, and really it doesn't mean anything. Like we're just, uh, Paul describes us as the most pitiful of all people. But if he did, then that demands some sort of response out of us. And it's either you, you believe or you don't believe. In John chapter 11, we see another question of, of a woman in a, in a hopeless situation. You know the story of a, of a man named Lazarus, and they were good friends with Jesus. And, and, and Jesus is, is traveling in an, another area, and he's ministering to them. And, and, and Lazarus' uh, sisters, Mary and Martha, send word to Jesus, and they, and they say, hey, our brother is sick. We need you to come now. And Jesus tells the disciples, he says, you know, we're going to wait another couple of days. And so he waits a couple of days. By the time they get there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Now, in Jewish culture, when you've been dead for four days, like there is no hope. Like you're not going to come back. You're not in a coma. Like you're dead. It's done. We're going to bury you. Jesus shows up on the scene and there's professional mourners everywhere. And so what would happen in Jewish culture when someone died, they would hire in these mourning people to mourn uh, the death and they would be weeping and wailing and Jesus walks in and they're all here and, 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 and he cuts through the crowd and he, and he has a comment uh, for, 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 for Martha and I'll, in, 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 in uh, John chapter 11, beginning in verse 17, says, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. So she knows the road that Jesus is coming in on, and she's running out to meet Jesus. And she says to him in verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God... God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asked her, do you believe this? Now, he didn't say it like I did with emphasis. Jesus probably had a lot more you know, love and compassion in the situation that he was dealing with. But he says, Martha, do, do you believe this? I'm not asking, do you believe one day you'll be resurrected? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that in me people have life? You know, for a lot of people today, they can't answer that question in the affirmative. They may believe that who Jesus was, they may believe that Jesus lived, but they don't believe that in Jesus you have life. But the Bible describes us that apart from Jesus, that we are dead spiritually that we're dead in our sins, that we're dead in our, what the Bible sometimes refers to you as trespasses, that we're dead in those things. But then as Ephesians tells us, and I love what, what Paul writes in the book of Ephesians chapter two, uh, in the, if you were to have the gospel in a nutshell in a, in a, in a series of 10 verses, this might be it. So he says that we were uh, dead in our trespasses and sins in which you once walked, but he says in verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ, that we've been born again to a living hope. That what we live today isn't like, well, I'm hoping that life gets better in, in eternal life, but I don't have a whole lot of hope for this one. And my question to you is, if Jesus rose from the dead, why do we not have hope in this life? Because he says, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy in, in what, John chapter 10, I think it is. But he said, I came that they would have life and have it, what? Abundantly. They would have life and have it abundantly. And that's what God desires to give us, not just the, the life someday, and that's what Martha says. says, you know, Martha, I, I, you know, she says, listen, I believe, Jesus, that he's going to rise at the end, kind of like the song we sang, you know, that I, and I will rise with my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. But life here, right now, next week we're going to begin a new series called uh, Worry Less, Live More that deals with anxiety and uh, depression and, and despair and some of the emotions that we feel, we feel in. Say 20% of people right now are, 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 are uh, experiencing some sort of, of mental um, mental health issue that's impacting their life in some real and functional way. And so next week, we're gonna talk about how God's word and how God helps us through that. So I wanna encourage you to come next week and be a part of that with us. But this morning, as we think about Jesus's words in, in John chapter in John chapter. 10 or 11, I'm sorry. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Now at this point, Jesus has done nothing to save, to raise Lazarus from the dead. And she's probably burdened and sad. Now, we know that he goes on to raise Lazarus. You, you flip forward ahead to John chapter 16, 
And in, and in John chapter 16, Jesus knows that his death is impending, and he says this to the disciples. He says, a little while, and you will see me no longer. A little while, and you will see me. And so some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will see me. And again, a little while, or you will not see me. In a little while, you'll see me, and, be, and, and because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. And Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him, so he says to them, is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you'll not see me, and again a little while and you'll see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Again, he's speaking about his, re- his, his death and his impending resurrection. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you'll weep and lament, but the world will, re- will rejoice. You'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you until now. You have, not, you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you'll receive, that your joy may be full. I love this, this verse 22, so that you have sorrow now. So also you have sorrow now, but I'll see you again. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Can you imagine the hopelessness that the disciples must have felt when Jesus died? Now, Jesus didn't fake his death. Jesus, they didn't. You know, Jesus was, if the Romans were good at anything, they were good at killing people. They knew exactly how to do it. And so when they laid Jesus in the tomb, Jesus was a dead, he was dead, dead, dead. And they were hopeless. Like all their, like they, in their head, they thought Jesus is never going to die. Yeah, he talked about dying and talked about it a few times and someone's going to take his life. We don't believe him. Like Jesus is going to live forever and he was going to reign forever and be King Jesus and ruler Jesus and, and do away with Romans. And like, it was going to be good. And he dies and they're like, they're like, matter of fact, they go into hiding. Like there's nowhere else for them to, like they, there's nothing else for them. They don't know what's next. And Mary, when she gets up in the morning to go down to the tomb, and we can read about it uh, in, in, in Mark's gospel, she gets up and she walks down and she says, you know, her number one concern is who's going to roll this stone away for me? Because remember, the, the Pharisees had a stone rolled in place that, that no one could get to the body because they thought the disciples were going to go steal it and profess this resurrected Savior. Mary shows up, and on her mind, who's going to roll the stone away so I can anoint his body with spices? She's not going down there looking for a resurrected Savior. She doesn't remember the words that Jesus just spoke. In a little while, you'll not see me. In a little while, you'll see me again. That, that you will have the sorrow, but the world will rejoice. That you'll be sorrowful, and yet you'll have joy, and no one will be able to take it from you. She didn't understand it till she walks down there and John says she goes down there and she's just distraught because the stone is rolled away and the Savior's gone and there's a man in the garden and she thinks it's the gardener and she says, sir, do you know where they took his body? And then we're told that Jesus, who, who she assumed was the gardener, says her name, Mary. And in that moment, she knew exactly who was speaking to her. And I'm telling you this morning, Jesus is speaking your name. 
He's not saying, hey, you. He's not saying, hey, buddy. He is speaking your name, and he's inviting you to have life and to have it abundantly. He's inviting you to a new life with a new purpose. We sing a song in our hymnals, and it says, talks about taking me out of the miry clay, and he sets my feet on the rock to stay. And some of us, that's how we feel like we're going through life. We're just trying to put one foot in front of the other. We don't see how things can get any better. We may feel like it's, it's some our fault because we've made a series of bad mistakes. It may be that you feel a little bit like some characters in the Bible where, where some bad things have just happened to you uh, unjustly and, and, and you're not, you don't know why and you can't understand how this would happen. Maybe it was all for this morning. Maybe it was all to get you here on this day to celebrate the resurrected Savior, to hear about the gospel, to hear about how Jesus saves us from our sins, that he can save us from our circumstances, that he can save us from our situations if we'll turn our back to our sin and turn our face to God and live for him. That's, that's the hope of the gospel. isn't it that we live and we die and that we're just dead, like that's it. But that there's something more, that you and I, we were, we were, we were, we were created and that we were created with purpose. And it wasn't just to live and to work and to make enough money to support my family. And, you know, Larry this morning talked about the joy of, you know, having kids. And so, you know, like, you know, the title of being a dad and, you know, our, we're, to, you know, we're to get married and have kids and, you know, repopulate and all that kind of stuff and get all scientific and all. But there's more to it than that. That Jesus willingly gave his life. Why? Because he loved you and he's calling you by name. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You and me, we're anyone. We're anyone. And all we have to do is call on his name. The Bible says if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead that we'll be saved. And that same chapter says anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And you know what? That's our utmost desire. Why? Because you're sitting amongst a group of people that are we perfect? Not by any stretch of the imagination. We're not. They're not. not a, me, person sitting next to you, like none of us are perfect. Not all of us have it together. Not all of us even have answers to all our own questions. But here's one thing we do know, that Jesus lived, that Jesus died for my sins, for my failures, for my shortcomings, that the, the sin, the debt has been paid in full, that I have been redeemed, that you have been redeemed. Your sins, the, the penalty for your sins, it's already been paid. Well, you, don't, you have no idea what I've done. You're right, I don't have any idea, but God does. And when Jesus on the cross, his last words, what he uttered, were three simple words, but with a profound meaning. He says, it is finished. God's, the debt was completely satisfied. There was nothing else. It doesn't matter what you did. Jesus has already paid the penalty for that sin. And here in a few minutes, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna celebrate communion together. And we're going to celebrate it. I always thought communion being the kind of this reverent time. And it is. We're remembering 
Christ's death for us. But on this Easter day, we're going to do it with a little bit of celebration. Our prayer is going to be different. Our, our thoughts are going to be different. Why? Because we're not celebrating that someone died. We're celebrating that he rose again. We wouldn't be taking communion if Jesus had just died. We take communion because he rose again. But I want to give us an opportunity this morning to respond. Because here's what communion means. When I take communion, and, and, and it's, it's open for everybody, but when we take communion, I'm taking it saying that I believe in, that Jesus has died for my sins, that he rose again on the third day. I believe that his body was broken for me. I believe that his blood was shed for me. And I believe that he rose again on the third day, that he declared victory over sin and death and over Satan. And I have placed my faith and trust in him. And so I want us to stand this morning. And we're gonna have some musicians come up and they're gonna have a little song that, that we're gonna play. But I wanna give everybody just an opportunity to respond this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe, maybe you've, you've known it in your head, you know, that Jesus is who he says he is, but maybe there's not ever been, you can't look back on your life and think of a moment where I genuinely gave my life to Christ, like where it, it changed me, not where I, I, and listen, don't misunderstand me, I'm not talking about paying, praying a prayer sometime when you were young, and then you've lived, you've not lived for him like the your rest of your life. I'm talking about where you, you prayed and received Christ and, and his sacrifice for your sins and your life changed because that's the fruit of it. Isn't that we pray a prayer? It's that God comes and dwells inside of us through the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's, I would love to know how that happens, but the Bible says it does. And so, but Jesus comes and he dwells inside of us and he cleanses us and changes us and makes things better, makes things new. And if we prayed a prayer and nothing really changed in our life, we just kept doing the same thing we've always done, then maybe today's the day we say, you know what, today I need, I need to be saved. Like I need to genuinely surrender my heart and my life to Christ. I need to surrender and just let Jesus do his thing in my life and live the purpose that I was created to live, that I live out for him. And I want to invite you this morning, as we have this hymn of music, maybe you're here this morning, and, and maybe today, like, it's just hitting you different. Maybe, you're, maybe the life you're living, like, you know, you're kind of giving a little thought to Jesus, but more or less, you're making your own decisions in your own life. And maybe today, it's just like, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of doing this on my own. Like, I need to live by some power other than my feeble weakness. And I just want to live in you and I want to live by your power. So God, I just, I just need you to come in and maybe this morning it's a fresh indwelling. Let me say, God, today on this April 21st of, 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 of 2019, like I just want to do over. Like, I want to start over and I want to be refreshed. Maybe you just need to recommit your life to him. Maybe at some point in your life, maybe you just felt God had let you down in some way. Maybe today just say, Lord, I, I confess that. Like I've been, I've just been discouraged. Like maybe you didn't answer things the way that I wanted you to. And maybe it's coming. Maybe, maybe it's like, you know, you're, God's saying to you, listen, I'm faithful. I'm good. I didn't answer the way that you wanted it, but I did answer. And your life is infinitely better because I said no to you in that moment. Maybe today some of you need to give God another shot. I don't know what it is this morning, but I do want to make sure that before we celebrate this communion and we take the bread and we drink the cup, 
that our hearts and lives are right with Christ. And so I want to encourage you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. There's nobody looking around. Just, I just encourage you. I know we're full. I know that if you're in the middle of the row, you're going to have to step over someone to get up here to an altar and pray. I, I'll tell you this. I know everybody in here, there's not a single person that would be inconvenienced by having to get out of their seat so you could make your way forward this morning. In fact, some of them may just follow you down to pray with you. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, the Lord is calling your name this morning about something. Maybe salvation, maybe a a burden that you are bearing, maybe a fight that you are currently engaged in against maybe, you know, something you're trying to, to give up or to get out of or to get away from. Maybe this morning is just a recommitment to him. We're gonna pray. And Melissa and Ashley are gonna lead us in a song. And I encourage you as we pray, if you wanna make your way forward, we'll have people down here ready to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning.